Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Good morning, Lisa. Hello. I can kind of see some comments. Good morning. Good morning, Roberta. Oh, yep. There I am. Okay, cool. So yeah, I should be able to see. I should be able to be Caleb and Jay today. Hi, Robert. Good morning, Mary. Sorry about the lighting in here. I don't have a um I don't have like a light fixture in my living room apartment or in the living room of my apartment. I don't know why. So hello, Rocky. Uh so it's really poor lighting in here. I can turn on my I can turn this light on, but then I'm all backlit, I think. Or is, is that better? I don't know. I guess you can see the you can see the R better. Maybe that is better. Good morning, April. Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, so Jay is taking the week off, and he's also having some car issues. Some really frustrating car issues. I'm sure we all know that is uh, not easy to deal with and never-ending, generally speaking. That is a never-ending battle with the old car engine. Leave it off. Robert says leave the light off. What do you think? Robert says leave the light off. Okay, Cheryl says that's better too. Okay, we'll leave it off. Cool. Well, good morning, everybody. Still kind of quarantining. Um, I don't know. Around here in Minnesota, people have been kind of opening up. Uh, I'm not sure that's the best idea, but I've been... Hi, David. Been seeing a lot of people out and about uh, not really practicing. Hi, Stephen. Practicing their social distancing very well. Um, hello, Robert. Hello, everyone. Uh, so, yeah, I will usually, Jay is talking and I'm sitting over here keeping track of comments so that I don't get distracted. I'm, I'm going to ignore comments while I do my little talk. And then afterwards, I'll, I've got over here, I've got my other device, I've got my phone, um, so that I can kind of scroll back through and see the comments, hopefully. So anyway, we'll see how this goes. Got to get myself a Caleb. Got to get me. Now I see why Jay has one. Anyway, so <laughs> yeah, let's get started. I'm going to start, we're going to talk today about decentering as it applies, um, I guess, kind of more... Uh, philosophically, we can talk about uh, some references if, if you guys want to read some more about it uh, more later. Uh, yeah, and also, of course, Pete Rollins takes it to an application within Christianity specifically. So does Barry Taylor. I talked to Barry actually recently. He pointed out to me, he was like, now that was Pete and my, um, that was that was both of our effort. So I give him credit where credit's due. Also, Happy Mother's Day, all the moms out there. I, I'm not sure if my mom's watching or not, but big shouts out to Jenny Rowe, if you're watching. Love you, Mom. Uh, everyone, remember to contact your mother today if you're so lucky to have her around. Hi, uh, Ray. Hi, everybody. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Um, like I said, I'm going to try to ignore the comments now. But anyway, yeah, good morning, everyone. I'm going to start my talk on decentering with a personal story. Uh, oh yeah, and I also want to say thank you to Zoe for helping me 
work this talk out. Zoe helped me kind of workshop this talk a little bit this week. So, um, so when I was growing up, one of my favorite characters was Robin Hood. And I had the VHS tape of the animated Disney version of Robin Hood, and I would watch it over and over and over. Of course, rewind, watch it over and over, rewind, um, and practically wore the VHS tape out. And then as I got a little bit older, I moved on to watching other adaptations, uh, TV series and live action films of Robin Hood. I read the book series when I got a little bit older too. My favorite thing to do was to play Robin Hood, to act it out with my friends. And I grew up in rural Kentucky, surrounded by creeks, ponds, and woods. And so it made for the perfect backdrop for me to kind of live out play out my version of this folk hero of Robin Hood. And of course, whenever I played with my friends, of course, I was the most uh, well-versed in both the historical and fictional versions of all the characters. And I was a big know-it-all and the bossiest, and so I always got to be Robin Hood. I got to be this this uh, folk character, this hero, this outlaw vigilante. And so, uh, after school, my friends and I would go meet uh, down at the creek at our uh, secret little bridge that we built out of plywood and two-by-fours, and we would cross the bridge and talk about the characters that we were going to play for the day and the quests that we were going to go on, and we would find sticks to use as swords, and we would follow the familiar path down through the woods to the Merry Men's Fort that we had built in some trees out of, again, plywood and two-by-fours, or uh, tubifers, as the uh, older gentleman in Kentucky referred to them. Uh, I just got a message from my mom saying she's trying to connect. I hope she... I wouldn't detract from my message to point that out unless it were... if it weren't Mother's Day. Uh, hopefully she... I don't know what I can do. Anyways, sorry. Um... So yeah, we would pick out the 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 sticks that we're going to use as our swords, and we would kind of get settled in. And of course, I was always Robin Hood. Um, as Robin Hood, I loved this this character because, like I said, he was an outlaw vigilante. He was fighting for justice. He was robbing the greedy rich to feed the hungry poor. He was a heroic icon. He was the last hope. To restore balance to the evil Prince John's corrupt system until the victorious return of King Richard the Lionhearted, the true King of England. Anyhow, one day, Little John and I found a good hiding spot along a trail that we knew the Sheriff of Nottingham was with some of his uh, guards was going to be traveling down later that day. And so we found a good spot to hide along that path. And there were even, there were vines in the woods that were, if they were strong enough, you could swing on them. So we had a couple of vines and we had our, our swords in our hands. And when we heard the rustling of footsteps approaching on my signal, we swung down and we disarmed the guards. And then we faced the evil sheriff of Nottingham. And then all of a sudden, there's almost a supernatural occurrence. All of a sudden... We froze, 
And we heard a voice that was almost from another world saying, dinner in one hour. So, you know, we heard a grown-up calling us in for dinner. And, and we froze, and we, all of a sudden we were taken out of our reality that we, that we had built, that we, were, that we were existing in. Our lens had been ripped away. We were no longer the outlaw vigilantes of Sherwood Forest. We were just kids playing with sticks in the woods. And when, when that lens or that filter is ripped away, we're decentered. We sort of see things laid out as they are or objectively. And there are all sorts of things that we can do when we're decentered. And I feel like they, most of them that, that, that I can think of kind of fall into two categories. So after you hear, in my silly little example about Robin Hood, after you hear the grown-up's voice calling dinner in an hour, you can either keep playing or you can go home is, is kind of how I'm laying it out. And within those two options, there are plenty and plenty of sub-options. And so in my Robin Hood example, if we keep playing, you know, you can say, yes, this is just a game. And yes, we're just kids, but I like this story that we're acting out, and I like the heroes that we're embodying, and I like this game, and I'm going to put the filter back on. That's the idea with, with this idea of like keep playing, is kind of putting the filter back on. And when you, when you put that lens or that filter back on, you, you, you can modify it. You know, uh, Maybe you choose to play a different character in the game, or maybe you choose to play a different game altogether. Uh, you, know, you can modify that lens, but then still put it back on. Uh, in the option of going home, that might sound like saying, maybe I'm, I'm just bored with this. Uh, I'm going to go you know, see what's for dinner, or you know, yeah, this is just a stupid make-believe game anyhow. Um, or you can go so far as to say, I'm so over this, that I'm going to go and convince as many other kids as I can that playing Robin Hood is stupid and to make fun of you for sword fighting with sticks. And, and so, so when you go home, that's the idea of kind of throwing that lens away, seeing that you're wearing a lens, being decentered, and then choosing to throw that lens away. But you'll, you'll still end up with a new lens is, is the thing. Um, you, you can't fully always throw away a lens. It's, you can't throw away the perspective of, of the self. Um, you can't sustain seeing the whole big picture fully objectively uh, for any extended period of time, uh, that's for sure. Another example of an, a decentering event is uh, a power outage, especially like when the Wi-Fi goes out and um, you have no electricity and, and no internet, so no social media. And um, once all those lenses are ripped away it kind of forces you to ask what is normal it kind of forces you to to revisit your definition of of normalcy if you're if you grow up and it is normal to touch a switch on the wall and all the lights turn on in the room and it's normal to post whatever you're doing as your status on facebook and then all of a sudden that lens is ripped away from you and those things are no longer an option in these situations, you'll often hear people saying things like, well, back in, this is how it was back in the day. Or, you know, before electricity, this is just how it was. Um, and so, 
after that decentering event is over, once you have the option of having the internet back, the Wi-Fi back, the social media back, what does it look like if you choose to keep playing? Using that, using those terms again, um, putting the lens back on. In other words, keep you can keep using social media and electricity and. Um, the internet just as much as you were, you can modify that lens. Like I said earlier, you can, you can adjust how much you use it or use it and interact with it differently, or you can go home. Essentially you can, you can realize I don't need all this stuff. Now that I've realized that I can be without it, I don't even want it. And that can go to a full extreme. Like, you know, uh, you, you can pull a, a throw, make yourself a little Walden, go live in the woods or you can you can do varying degrees of this. You can choose to have regular uh, social media fasts. And fasting is a very important decentering activity that you choose to engage in. Um, and we'll talk more about fasting later. Uh, another example that is current that is really interesting, not only because of its its the extent to which it's current right now, but also the fact that it's still going on. The dissentering activity is still going on right now, and so we don't yet know how we're going to react once it's over and we have the option of returning to normalcy as it was, to use that term again. Uh, that, that example is quarantine. So we're, be, we're dissentered because we no longer have the option of face-to-face, close, in-person interactions. That lens has been ripped away. That has put normalcy up for question. And so what is it's I'm this is where I'd like to hear some comments from you all, some thoughts from you all. What will it look like once this decentering event of quarantine is over? What what is it going to look like uh if we and there's no I don't think there's any right or wrong answers here. I think this is just a question. What do we do or what will we do? What will you do? What will I do? I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. But after quarantine is over, what will it look like if we choose to keep playing, to put the lens back on, as it were, um, to, to go back at, to as things were? And we again, there, there can be degrees of this, so we can take elements from, from what we've learned from quarantine. Namely, one that comes to mind is how to use Zoom. That's something I'll take from quarantine. I had to learn how to use Zoom. We do that Zoom Bible study. I see Stevens in here; he's a part of that. Uh, Selena's in here; she's a part of that. Um, so that's something maybe that I'll adjust that part of the, the my filter of my lens before I put it back on after this decentering event of quarantine is over. So um, that's something about decentering is that we always can learn from it. Uh, being decentered allows for both objective analysis of the quirks of your state, of the quirks of the oddities of the things that you call normal, and it allows for a new, more well-informed appreciation of that state that you had called normal. So decentering is a productive activity uh, so long as we learn from it. Stepping out of your skin, having your lens ripped away, examining normalcy, questioning normalcy uh, can be very productive and very healthy. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm very curious about how 
we're going to react after this decentering event of quarantine is over. Uh, the final example I have about decentering is one that we can't easily ignore given this format that I'm talking to you over, being called church. Uh, and it's a really big one just in general, probably for a lot of this audience, is decentering in faith. And that can look a lot of, that can be applied to a lot of different ways. I want to explain, expound on that a little bit more. Um, a lot of, there are a lot of different ways in which your lens of your faith can be ripped away. And there are a lot of different lenses that go into how you see your faith and, and, and how that worldview is comprised and composed. Um, so you can be dissentered in your faith in an, an event like maybe changing churches. You can have, uh, that's kind of a smaller example. You can have church culture shock. Realize that things are not done the same from one church to another. Uh, oh my God, like everyone here, they, they, they do communion every single week here. I thought you only did it once a month. Or, uh, we have potluck on uh, the second Tuesday of every month in this church. It's crazy. You know, okay, so that's a small example of, of being decentered. Uh, in your faith, uh, also becoming disillusioned with a church leader is a big way that you can become decentered in your faith, realizing that they're not the person you thought they were. Uh, having personal, doctrinal, or theological shifts is very decentering. Um, and then the biggest one: leaving your faith altogether, be it temporary or. Um, or, you know, permanent. But I want to ask the question, or encourage you, I guess, more to ask the questions, what what does it look like when we keep playing or when we go home, when we apply this thinking to our faith? Like, if, if you do go through a doctrinal shift, then you'll probably put that uh, lens back on. You'll probably step back into your faith, the lens of your faith, with some adjustments, You've had some doctrinal changes. If you feel deceived or hurt by a church leader, you're probably going to tweak some things. You're probably going to say, I'm going to learn from this. Like I said, learning from the decentering, learning from the lens being ripped away, choosing how you're going to re-engage with that lens, with that filter once you put it back on, and how you're going to reform it, and how you're going to... You, you are in charge of the filter that you put back on to an extent, and controlling that I think is very important. I also think that it's very important for us, those of us still in the church, to appreciate the fact that many people have a valid experience of being decentered from their faith and feel exposed and laid bare and embarrassed because they're revealed to be just kids playing with sticks in the woods, is how they feel. And then... Like in my earlier example, some of them feel the need to go and then proselytize against what they see to be a silly game and to convince everyone else that those who play that game are foolish. And this is a valid experience for some people, and I think that it is very important for us to acknowledge and validate that experience and to see it and to appreciate it. And... That's not at all to say that you can't have that experience of feeling silly and laid bare and then turn around and, and still decide to go back in and engage with it. 
to keep playing still after having been decentered. And uh, uh, activity that Pete Rollins leads is uh, Atheism for Lent, and that is a great example of him finding an application for a decentering practice. So uh, for Lent, which is fasting, right? 40 days of fasting from something. Um, you you choose a thing to fast from for 40 days. And so he's like, well, what if we fast from our faith for 40 days? And so that's a 40-day-long decentering activity. I wouldn't call it a decentering event because you're, it's an activity because you're, you're choosing to engage in it. Like with, like with any fast, it wouldn't really be a fast if you weren't, you know, you'd, you'd be more so like starving or, or you don't have access to food if you're non-willingly fasting from food, you know, for example. But, um, but yeah, choosing to go without your faith for 40 days and then, and then being decentered from it and not literally just dropping, oh, I don't believe what I used to believe. He has certain activities that you go through, practices to appreciate the perspective of atheists or of people from other faiths to see Christianity from the outside before stepping back into it. Anyhow, that's, um, I'd be curious if anyone has any thoughts on, on, on how, on maybe even personal experiences from being decentered, um, especially from your faith or, for, or from, from COVID. Speculations on what it's going to look like when we go back. I think I see some people giving some comments now. I'll read those afterwards. I uh, just kind of want to wrap up saying I hope that revolution and places like it can be healthy places, welcoming places for people who are decentered and can even encourage healthy decentering and reflection. Uh, I know that it, it is for me, and and I, and I, I try to facilitate that in my work with revolution, and and I hope that that can be one function that we serve, not the sole function, but I hope that that can be one one function that that, that we as a church serve as a hospital for people who are decentered. Um, and as a safe place to experience going through decentering uh, activities and events, life events. Um, yeah, the, the I want to briefly just say too that the spiritual practice of decentering uh, uh, through fasting is massive. Uh, you know, the it oftentimes leads to revelations from God, straight direct contact with God, or uh, various stages of enlightenment. For example, after Christ fasts for uh 40 days you know in the wilderness he when he ends his fast when he ends the decentering uh, ev- uh activity that he's participated chosen to participate in when he ends his fast he comes back and um the spirit comes upon him and he, he starts his ministry so that's after his fasting um so yeah there's I, I i thought about reading some biblical examples of how fasting is is so powerful and why it is so powerful but there's so many there's so, 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 so many. Uh, but, but yeah, and especially if you just look at the pattern of the fact that, that fa- of, of fasting bringing you closer to God, choosing not to eat, you know, that's pretty big. Fasting from eating is, is what we usually think of when we think of biblical fasting, but uh, that's, that's, mass, that's a massive decentering, not, not, not uh, eating, not sustaining yourself, not intaking sustenance that you need. Um, anyhow, yeah, so that's, that's where I'll wrap up my talk. About decentering for today, um, I'm going to try to read some comments after I got disconnected and then reconnected. My f- little phone plan was foiled, so let me see if I can read them from the iPad from which I'm broadcasting. Okay, here we go. Cheryl said uh, one thing. Okay, so talking about quarantine, what we'll do after quarantine. One thing I'll go back to is hugging. I 
just can't social distance those. Hugging people I love does center me. However, taking from this to be more sensitive to people who aren't huggers. That's Oh, that's good. Yeah. So it's a little bit of nuance, a little bit of both. Does that make sense? So I guess a balance. Yep, exactly. Balance of what I've learned. All because of my outgoing nature, I have a way to go in learning. Yeah, that's great. Robert said, uh, changing churches is a great example, especially when you're stuck at a Trump-loving lead one. Yeah. <laughs> Good one, Robert. That sounds like a healthy move for you, or for, for that anonymous person in that example that you, you, that you gave. Selena says, decentering is a healthy practice. Decentering requires a level of acceptance and fluidity. Totally. That, well put, Selena. I always appreciate your insights. Very much agree. Some people prefer to avoid this practice because it's stressful at times. We've had a hard time accepting we're loved as we are. If we changed our theology, are we the same person? Mm. Well, what is a person? What is a self? What is an Ottman, if you will? How much of our identity do we invest in things like theology? That's great, Selena. Very good. Very, very good uh, points here. Uh, Robert Peinado says, I left my Christian label and chose to reform to a spiritual person in quotes. I still believe in the Christian perspective, but see it in a more healthy way for me. That's great. Steven says, for me, my faith is decentered because when I realized shit happens to everyone. Yep, sure does. Lots of great comments, y'all. Uh, Robert Ross says, "I we have a lot of Roberts. I left my... Oh, okay. Maybe this, is a, this sounds familiar. Maybe it's the same Robert. I left my evangelical... Christian label due to Trump followers who claim to follow Jesus. The hypocrisy and living oxymoronic nature of these people disturb me that much. Yeah, I understand that. And I also, I myself definitely do struggle with uh, showing grace to people that I disagree with, especially so strongly on like, you know, political stuff and stuff like that. Hey, check out my iced coffee in a mason jar. What do you think about that? Instant coffee, a little bit of honey, a little bit of uh, powdered creamer. Now that's coffee. Is that good for... Let me try that again. Ah, now that's a coffee. That's pretty good. Put that on my reel. Uh, Cheryl said, back to Selena. I'm on the floor with this. I feel like you crawled in my head just now. Yeah, Selena, you put that really well, what you said up there. Um, Pete Rollins did a fantastic talk about our desires really being ours. Or those that we were taught. Yeah, we, yeah, we can go so many philosophical directions with this one. Oh, Zoe, you're here. Zoe says, I'm here, I'm queer, and I'm late. Yes, you're very late, Zoe. Uh, Kay says, I enjoy the simpler life that isolation has brought. I'm keen to not go back to the manic state of normal life. Well, Zoe, though, that's that's really good, Kate. I love that. Um, Zoe, even though you're late, you know the message because you helped me putting it together. Ray says, I'm experiencing a decentering right now. Just got my own place and moving out of married home after 15 years together, and it's effing weird. However, as a spiritual practice, I base the whole of my religious life on decentering practices, as I feel decentering allows me to check myself for authenticity. Yes, 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 yes. Totally, totally. So sorry, Emily. Oh no worries. So I don't you. I don't know if the first half's gonna upload. Facebook closed on me halfway through the talk 
I had to reopen it. I think the first half is lost. I do have the audio recording, though, the podcast version, so that'll be up in a week, but uh, uh, instant in a mason jar. So punk. Yeah, I'm a punk. Cool. Well, great. Thank you all for all of your thoughts. Uh, please continue interacting and exchanging those with each other. If you have any more thoughts, you can send them to questionsforrevolution at gmail.com. Uh, please reference what your question is about. If it's about a specific talk or if it's just a general question, pop it on in there. Um, and then Jay will be back next week. Pray for his car. Keep his car in your prayers. His Prius. Lift up his Prius. Just joking. Yeah, I know. He's, he's having car issues. Um, no! Says Zo. Um, yeah, that's about it. So shoot us uh, an email and keep talking to each other. I love all the thoughts in here. And uh, I had some other announcement I can't think of. It. I'll put it on here when I think of it. Uh, Descendering. What a cool concept. Yep, cool concept. Robert. Lots of Roberts today. I love all the Roberts. This is a Robert, Robert full episode. We watched it from the beginning. Oh, maybe it did say from the beginning. Well, Mo Mom, I think you were watching it live, though. I don't know. Whatever. Y'all figure it out. I love you guys. Love you all. Start up Love you all. Cut, Tony. Tony, cut it. Cut, Tony. Cut it. Cut the feed, Tony. Okay, I'll do it. We'd like to remind you that our ministry is supported 100% by listeners like you. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. If you enjoyed this show, you might also like The Sacred Collective. We're going out of town on a, for a graduation, so we have to drive up to Bismarck. Fun, oh, fun. Is that even a place? Yeah, it is a place. Uh, is the, the, I don't think it's a place. Are the Dakotas a real place? I don't know. No. Uh, can we can I talk about how, how Minnesotan your voice is? Yeah, I'm pretty Minnesotan. I, yeah, you know. it's it's straight up very min- I listened to the podcast like, whoa, he's definitely from Minnesota. <laughs> yes, I'm uh, born, tried, and true. It's funny because I yeah. have relatives in, in Kansas City, and to me they sound like hicks. Y'all and uh, Twain, <laughs> and then they... Y'all come back now, I hear. Yeah, and then they come up, <laughs> and then they come up here, and they make fun of us on how we talk. And I'm like, yes, we have an mm-hmm. accent. We have that northern accent. Say the word bag, 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 bag. It's bag, bag, bag. <laughs> Bagels. Bagels. Oh, bag- let, me, let me finish this. Bagel? Finish this, Michael. Duck, duck. <laughs> Oh, I know this. I, I listened to this episode. It's definitely goose, not gray duck. What the hell is gray duck? <laughs> my wife says the same thing. Well, my my wife's from South Dakota. My wife's from South Dakota. My mom's from Wisconsin. My dad was from South Dakota. And they're like, what What the heck is a gray duck? And I said, there are such things as gray ducks, and it does make sense that it's goose, but Minnesota... Are there really gray ducks? Probably. Are they just goose? Probably. No, probably. You, can, you can spray paint a duck you any can color. spray paint it, yeah. I don't but ever want to know. I have uh, no idea uh, why, but Minnesota is the uh, only state out of all of them that will say gray duck. And if you say goose, we just rage. It's a little stupid little thing that's purely Minnesotan. It's a bit, because it's so close to moose and... Moose are huge in Minnesota. Meese. I don't know. Like if you if you're raised in school, like when I was in elementary school, when we played that game, 
if you said goose, I mean, everyone would just glare at you. You'd get kicked out of the class. Like, we take it seriously. Ostracized. Here. Yeah, it's duck, duck, gray duck. And my wife joked with me and was like, when we raise our daughter, if she comes home from class and says a duck, duck, gray duck, then... Hey, how about this one? Let me pitch this to you. Instead of being ostracized, you're giant duck-a-sized. Oh, my gosh. Mm, wow. That's kind that's of a bad. poultry pun? I don't know. There you go. Any feedback? <laughs> Nothing? Okay. As for like me a, and my house, we will say goose. <laughs> dude, how about that? How about this? Um, uh, I, I have a very important question. What is your favorite MXPX? I'm just going to go right to it. Favorite MXPX album. Go. That was a post-Christian podcast. <laughs>